Republican leadership is secretly trying to rehabilitate Transheiser Bush, also known as AB InBev, the company that makes Bud Light. You have not seen this report anywhere because the campaign is clandestine, like so many of the influence operations that define our politics. I only heard about it because some friends of mine in D.C., some little birdies, saw it firsthand and gave me the heads up. I'm going to start out by saying, I hope this isn't true. I hope it's a big misunderstanding and people just saw things and heard things and had conversations that were all a big miscommunication. Because I like Kevin McCarthy. I think he's been basically fine, pretty good actually, as House Speaker. And uh, I just hope it isn't true. But here's what's happening, according to credible sources in our nation's capital. A consulting group named Miller Strategies is lobbying around Capitol Hill to get Republicans to carry water for Transheiser Bush, specifically in their districts. Typical lobbying, no surprise there. But what makes this particular lobbying effort different is that Miller Strategies is headed up by a guy named Jeff Miller, who's a top aide to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. This is a man described as McCarthy's field general. Miller Strategies is currently squeezing House Republicans, particularly vulnerable Republicans in swing districts, the kind of Republicans who need leadership support and funding from those House leadership PACs. And they're squeezing them to drop the boycott of Bud Light and start carrying water for the woke beer company in their districts. The Bud Light boycott has been the most successful conservative pressure campaign that I've ever seen, certainly in recent memory, perhaps ever. Months later, months into this boycott, the boycott remains strong. Transheiser Bush's stock has been decimated. New reports have just come out that Bud Light is on track to start losing shelf space at retailers this fall. So this is crunch time. This is the kind of time when you might hire some lobbyists to try to squeeze people to stop the boycott. It's a total conservative victory. The most effective pushback yet against the radical trans agenda. And now, Republicans are eager to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory if House leadership and their enforcers have their way. According to my friends in the swamp, Miller Strategies had a big party to inaugurate their new headquarters across from the old Trump Hotel about a week ago. All sorts of Republican bigwigs were there. And just in case any members had not gotten the message, Guess what beer they were serving? (laughs) You guessed it, Bud Light, baby. Most telling about the whole campaign is the secrecy. If you look at the Miller Strategies client list, you will not see Transheiser Bush listed. You won't even see their public name, AB InBev. Well, that would look terrible. If you contact the speaker's office, if you file a FOIA request, you're not going to find any emails or meetings openly advocating for going soft on Transheiser Bush. That would look terrible too. Instead, it would seem that House leadership is relying on their secretive forces in the supposedly private sector to put the squeeze on our duly elected representatives and convince them to thwart the biggest grassroots conservative victory in ages. As I said, to date, Kevin McCarthy has been a fine speaker. He has exceeded most conservatives' expectations. And so I hope it's not true. I hope it's a big misunderstanding. But if it is true, 
This kind of thing is completely unacceptable. Transheiser Bush has never apologized for its embrace of the radical trans movement. I don't care how much money they're paying to those Republican leadership lieutenants around D.C. I don't care how much money they're offering to throw into elected Republicans' coffers. If conservatives give up now on a campaign so successful to fight an ideology so dangerous and evil, we lose all credibility in subsequent fights. Call your congressman. Call House leadership. Call your local lobbyist. Tell them to cut the crap. The Transheiser Bush boycott ends when we say it ends. And as far as I have anything to say about it, I don't see any end in sight. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 25 bucks off your order with code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles today. Most men think of the Roman Empire every single day. We will get to that important news story in just a moment. First, though, speaking of swampy things, a, a man disguised as security or potentially a law enforcement officer, a guy who put on a badge, tried to make himself look like an actual security professional who was armed with multiple firearms, was just arrested trying to approach Robert F. Kennedy Jr. at a campaign stop in Los Angeles. According to the LAPD, oh, I'm sorry, according to Kennedy's team, the man claimed to be part of Kennedy's security team told RFK Jr.'s actual protectors with urgency that he needed to be taken to the candidate immediately. Observing that the man had a handgun, Kennedy's security team removed the man from the area, isolated and surrounded him, then notified LAPD. Uh, he was spotted and detained before this speech. That's good. Man was wearing two shoulder holsters with loaded pistols, spare ammunition magazines, carrying a U.S. Marshal badge on a lanyard and a belt clip, federal ID, and identified himself as a member of Kennedy's team. Then LAPD comes in. LAPD takes custody of a second man who came to the campaign with the first guy who got arrested. Protectors observed that that man was seeking access to the event, had a backpack. And that backpack had at least one other handgun, multiple knives, and some extra ammunition. Good thing that Kennedy's team caught them. Kennedy has been requesting Secret Service protection. He's a presidential candidate, sort of a major presidential candidate. Presidential candidates who reach a significant degree of notoriety and, and profile are afforded Secret Service protection. Bobby Kennedy has not been. Joe Biden has turned down that request, even as people who sure look like assassins show up to his campaign events. Now, you might say, well, there are some weirdos. Weirdos show up to a lot of political events. I think there should be a rule. If your father and uncle are both assassinated while running for president and serving as president, respectively, and then you run for president, I think you automatically should be entitled to Secret Service protection. Don't you? Some have pointed out, well, a lot of good the Secret Service did to his father and his uncle, fair enough. 
seems to me completely insane that Joe Biden won't offer Secret Service protection to a guy who's polling 20% against him, whose family has been picked off by political assassins for 70 years. Doesn't that seem a little strange? I'm glad Kennedy has a good security team, and I'm all for, for shrinking government spending. But I don't know. I think, especially now that you had what sure seems to be an assassin or two show up to the Kennedy event, I'm willing for a few of my tax dollars to go to, to protect the major presidential candidate and Democrat threat to Joe Biden. I think as we send 100 bazillion gazillion dollars overseas to Vladimir Zelensky to take on the Ruskies, I think we can spend, what's it going to cost? Like a few hundred grand to stop another Kennedy from being assassinated. It seems like a good investment to me. Now, speaking of things that begin with K, turning from the Kennedys to Kansas, not my best transition, Kansas will no longer allow people to change the sex on their birth certificates. Uh, Kansas has just passed this law. Uh, I guess previously you could not only transition, go through the surgeries, the hormones, everything, but you could change your birth certificate. And now Kansas is saying, no, this is very good. I'm glad people have gotten the message that there can be no middle way with trans transgenderism. It's either all or nothing. Either men can be women or they can't. And for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely, the entire ideology at every level. I'm glad that that message is beginning to percolate because I don't see what the other option is here. You're going to hear the pro-trans activists whine and complain and say this is discrimination and oppression. But the fact remains Changing your birth certificate does not turn men into women. Changing one's birth certificate merely makes birth certificates unreliable. It doesn't change human nature, doesn't change anthropology, doesn't change anybody's sex. All it does is it means that an important document in our society to, to convey facts and to ground us in reality will become unreliable, as has frequently been happening. Now, you know what is reliable? The quality of meat from Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles. We all have very busy schedules, soccer practice, science fairs, prepping for the holidays, etc. There's good news. You can take one big thing off your plate by putting great meat on your plate with Good Ranchers. You care about what your family eats, and so does Good Ranchers. That's why they've spent years building relationships with local farms to source the best 100% American beef, chicken, pork, now wild-caught seafood. They've added seafood to the mix. The best of the land and sea can now get conveniently delivered to your door. And right now, they're offering two years of free ground beef to anyone who subscribes. That's a $480 value at a locked-in price. 100% American meat. It's just insane. No one else is offering anything like this. And no one else is offering anything like this at the quality that Good Ranchers brings you. I adore it. I eat it multiple times a week. And I would eat it more than that if, uh, if I weren't traveling quite so much. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles. 25 bucks off and free ground beef for two years. Subscribe to any box to lock in your price on America's best meat for two whole years as well. GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles for over $500 in savings. Subscribe to Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. Speaking of murder, do you remember a story? This was from months and months ago, I guess over a year ago, that Catholic schools in Canada had been murdering indigenous children. 
How is the story? This is two years ago. A tribe in Western Canada announced that they had engaged in some ground-penetrating radar investigation and discovered anomalies in the soil around the schools. And what were those anomalies that they suspected were mass graves where these Catholics had been educating the indigenous children at residential schools. And immediately, all of the liberal establishment in Canada flew into action. The prime minister lowered flags to half-staff. The pope issued an apology all the way from the Vatican. And then, this is the most important part of the liberal establishment springing into action. Activists started burning down Catholic churches. Because don't forget, the the liberal power structure, it's not just the elected people, it's not just the media, it's not just the teachers. There's also the paramilitary wing. In America, that's BLM, that's Antifa. And in Canada, you have these these activists, same, same kinds of people. They burned churches all over Canada. Statues were covered in graffiti. Statues were pulled down, Catholic statues. For two years, this was going on because the Catholic schools had been murdering all these indigenous kids and burying them in mass graves. And then we turned out that wasn't true. Then we found out, oopsie-daisy, yeah, none of that was true. Two years of investigations, zero evidence that any of that ever happened. No mass graves, none. Now, what did happen is the churches burned down, and what did happen is the the flags were lowered and the, the statues were pulled down, and what did happen is an actual blood libel was committed against Catholics in Canada by the liberal establishment. People who were going to those churches, they don't have churches to go to now. But oopsie-daisy, no harm, no foul. Moving on. 68 churches in Canada were desecrated, damaged, or destroyed. And and is anyone going to be held responsible for that? No. Is Trudeau, Justin Castro, you know, the leader of Canada, is he going to be prosecuted for spreading this blood libel? No. Any of the activists? No. You know what they're going to do? They're going to move on to the next hoax. And I tell you, the craziest thing is going to be whatever the new bogus excuse is, the end result is going to be the same. Statues are going to come down. Churches are going to burn. Traditions are going to be upended. And the liberal project is just going to go marching on. This is this tribal chief, Derek Nepenak. They've excavated 14 locations under the church. They got nothing. Now, speaking of Roman things, did you know that most men think of the Roman Empire every single day? This fact has gone viral as a meme because a woman asked her husband. You've seen the TikTok where the woman says, did you know that most men think of the Roman Empire daily? And she asks her husband and he says, yes, I do. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking there is no way that my spouse thinks about the Roman Empire daily. I asked my husband last night in jest, and do you know what this man said? He said, well, in some capacity, probably every day. Why? (laughs) So when I saw the meme go around, I I thought to myself, because I wasn't conscious of the fact that I think of the Roman Empire every day, but I do. The minute I saw it, I said, oh yeah, I guess I do. What, do do women not think of the Roman Empire every day? And then I, I was sitting at home and sweet little Elisa turned to me. She goes, Mac! She saw the meme. She goes, Mac, do you, do you really think of the Roman Empire every day? I thought, girl, I, 
You live with me. I basically talk about the Roman Empire every day. Are you kidding? Why is that? So why why do men think of the Roman Empire every day? It's to me, it seems pretty obvious. Because the Roman Empire was the last time that we had a unity of all of Western civilization, a, a, a perfect unity of it. You had a total political unity of all the lands and the peoples. You had a theological unity after the Edict of Milan, after, after uh, Catholicism then becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. You have a unity of religion. You have a unity of politics. You have a unity of land. You have a unity of everything. And then with the fall of Rome, which is the main historical event that people compare anything to, then you see this breakup that, that you're always trying to get back. There was then a, uh, a bit of a resurgence with the Holy Roman Empire, though I, continue, I consider that to be sort of an extension of the Roman Empire. And so I think that, I think that counts. If I think about the Habsburgs or something, I think, I, I think that qualifies as uh, thinking about the Roman Empire every day. But, but Dante was writing about this in the Middle Ages how there was just this yearning in the Western mind to return to the Roman Empire because of that unity that we were all seeking. We're all just so fragmented. And now we're so extraordinarily fragmented. That's why, that's why people make these comparisons to the fall of Rome all the time, because they know that that was a bad thing. But the, the other side of the, the men think about Rome every day story, that my friend Spencer Clavin pointed this out, what's so delightful about it is... It's the first time in a while we've seen one sex stumble upon a fact about the opposite sex and get a kick out of it. So often today, when one sex finds out something about the other sex or comes to some observation about them, it, it's, it's an observation made in disgust or revulsion. This is obviously true of the feminists when they discover anything masculine, they call it toxic. And it's true even of the red pill bro men who just don't like women that much and attack women all the time. But this is a good example of women discovering something they, they previously didn't know about men and thinking, huh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> I don't know, that's sort of delightful. It's kind of, which is of course how it's supposed to be because men and women are different no matter what our cultural elites tell us today. And that difference is not a cause of pain and revulsion and uh, political problem as our elites tell us today, it's actually a cause of delight and one of the great, one of the great aspects of life as a human being. Vive la différence. Speaking of men and women, a story that I'll touch on very briefly because it would appear to be one of the top stories in the news. Uh, my friend Lauren Boebert has gotten in a bit of hot water because there was a hidden camera in a dark theater catching her getting frisky or something. Uh, Lauren has since apologized and she said, yeah, you know, going through stuff in my life and I fell into this temptation of bad behaviors. And anyway, I'm sorry. It's really embarrassing and really sad. Uh, good enough for me. Good enough. Some people were saying, how could anyone accept Lauren Boebert's apology? I think, well, I don't know, because she's on our team and it's not hypocritical to uh extend a little bit more grace to the people who are your allies. That's called politics, first of all. And it's a good thing to do when your side is promoting good things and the other side is promoting very bad things. I think if someone, generally if people apologize, it's good to accept the apology. But certainly if it's someone on your team, I think that's fine. And uh, two, I think she is legitimately embarrassed by it. And we've all done embarrassing things. 
And we've all done a lot of embarrassing things when we thought we were sitting in the dark. And then when there are security cameras that can see in the dark, that uh, can be even more embarrassing. And uh, and also the, the third reason, and I think the the strongest reason for accepting an apology like this is Lauren is saying, look, I I did something bad. I fell short of my standards and I'm ashamed of it. And I regret, I regret falling into the temptation of bad behavior for doing things that the liberals exalt as positive goods. Anything you can accuse Lauren of doing, the liberals say is good, it's empowering, it's it's wonderful, it's expressive, it's virtuous. And so when they attack her for it, it's obviously uh, disingenuous because the the only uh the only crime according to the libs now is hypocrisy, by which they don't even really mean hypocrisy. They mean having standards and failing them, which is called sinning, which is called being human. So the only people who really would have any standing to attack Lauren for this are conservatives. And had she not apologized, I would totally get it. But she apologized. I think she's embarrassed. And I think it's fair enough to uh, you know move on. We'll get to women in politics and these double standards in just a moment. First, though, how are your windows? I think you got to check out Renewal by Anderson. Right now, text Knowles to 200-300. For most homeowners, window replacement is not something they've done before. For many, it is not something they want to do, but something they have to do. If you've put off replacing the windows in your home because they're too expensive, I've got great news. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and a free price quote from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson's signature renewal service is committed to giving you the best customer service possible, supported by the best people in the industry, a superior process, and an exclusive product. I got an email from a carpenter who told me, said, Michael, I heard you do a read for Renewal by Anderson. I'm just telling you, I go into houses, they have the best work of any windows that I see. And coincidentally, I have a cousin who works for them and has been telling me about Renewal by Anderson for years, even before they were on the show. So right now they're offering a free in-home or virtual consultation on durable, quality, affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero payments and zero interest for one year. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 200-300 for your free consultation to save 375 bucks off every window and 750 bucks off every door. These savings will not last long, so be sure to check it out by texting Knowles to 200-300. That's Knowles to 200-300. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. As you know, the spooky season is quickly approaching. There will be demons on the prowl just as there are every day. But I'm not just talking about woke corporations that look upon your beliefs with disdain. No, let's unwoke Halloween with Jeremy's Chocolate. Our delicious chocolates come in two forms. He, him, with nuts. And she, her, nutless, just as our Lord intended. Don't be a ghoul. Head on over to jeremyschocolate.com to order your chocolates in time for Halloween. Speaking of women in politics and uh, all sorts of saucy things, Susanna Gibson, I I now said, initially I didn't even want to say this woman's name, on the show when the story came out. She's the Virginia House delegate candidate who uh, produced a lot of porn of herself to make money. Um, now, I mean, the story's pretty in the mainstream. I don't think uh, I don't think the cause of chivalry is served all that much by not naming her. Uh, Susanna uh, was a porn performer and, until very recently and uh, did these things with her husband and made money off of it and off of these poor, desperate guys. And uh, now she's running for Virginia House delegates. Well, she... She may have violated the Commonwealth's prostitution laws. 
Uh, Virginia law says that, quote, any person who for money or its equivalent engages in sexual intercourse or other sexual acts with another person, quote, is guilty of prostitution, which is punishable as a class one misdemeanor. A former prosecutor, Sean Klein, and a defense attorney in Virginia Beach, uh, said it's his view that it is a chargeable offense. The statute is very clear, he says, to the Daily Wire. You cannot, for money or its equivalent, perform sex acts. It doesn't matter who's paying for the act. If it's an observer or the recipient, you can't receive money. Okay, so this woman's in hot water, understandably. I almost feel bad for her because our culture has so normalized porn that she probably never thought that she was violating the law, uh, but still a very bad thing. My question on this has nothing to do with the Virginia delegate race, has nothing to do with Susanna. How is porn legal? How is porn, period, legal? It's apparently not legal in Virginia. How is it legal anywhere? Prostitution is illegal most places. So if prostitution is illegal, if it's illegal to take money for sex acts because it degrades the human person, reduces the human being to nothing but a mere object, a sack of meat for sensual pleasure, And so because that is degrading to everyone and degrading for society and inflames lusts and vices, we've just had a law throughout the country that that sort of thing is not legal. How is that all illegal? But if you put a camera in the room, it's legal. Doesn't make a lot of sense. How is it illegal to sell your body for sex to one person, but it's legal to sell your body for sex to 10 million people? Doesn't make a lot of sense. In recent years, some extreme radical liberals and libertarians have argued that porn is protected as free speech. That has never been true anywhere. (laughs) That has never been true in any state. That is not, that has nothing to do with the uh, traditional conception of free speech or the First Amendment or any of those things, as even most libertarians will admit to you. Appeals to the prurient interest, obscenity are not protected speech. So why don't we use this kind of thing? Why don't we use the case of Miss Susanna in the House delegate race in Virginia, as what the libs call a teachable moment. And use the opportunity to, rather than just, I mean, focus on the woman, get her out of the race, do whatever. But maybe we use that to our advantage to keep pressing forward on an issue on which I think we will win. Now, speaking of missteps on issues that I think we will win, President Trump just got into a bit of hot water I finally watched at least part of the Megyn Kelly interview. Uh, President Trump struggled to answer if a man can become a woman. Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with some answer to that also. It's not a great answer. Should be a simple answer. The answer is no. To say, well, no, I don't exactly think so, but I can't give birth, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I sort of like Bruce Jenner, but it's a disappointing answer. It's a disappointing answer. Other candidates have given good answers on this. Ron DeSantis, notably, has given a good answer on this. So what's going on here with Trump? It's so obvious to me that he is playing this safe or playing it in a way that he thinks is safe because he is already running in the general election. Donald Trump is not focused on the primary. I know that the enthusiasts and the campaign workers for other candidates are unhappy about this. And they say the primary has even barely gotten started because we haven't even had the the Iowa caucuses yet. 
We not one single vote in a primary has been cast. Yeah, but Trump's at like 60% and he's leading in every primary state by like 20 points. And that's in a field of 10. And currently the number two guy, the chief challenge to Donald Trump is closer in poll numbers to Chris Christie, much closer than he is to Donald Trump as the front runner. And nothing has changed for about 15 months. Everyone's been waiting. Oh, well, when this candidate declares, then you're going to see the polls change. Oh, well, when they have the debate, then you're going to see the polls change. And nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that Trump's numbers have gone up by a little bit. And the other candidates have mostly gone down by a little bit. So Trump is running in the general. And Trump thinks that it helps him to be soft on this issue. Now, I don't think that's true. I think you look at someone like Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. Virginia's a Democrat commonwealth, purple at best. And Glenn Youngkin ran hard against transgenderism in schools. And he won his election largely because of that. You see, DeSantis has been successful in Florida, largely on issues like that. Trump, I think, wants to sidestep it. So in this case, I think Trump believes that it is helpful to him to avoid the issue. I just think he's wrong on that. And then you have Trump's answer on abortion. Trump was asked, uh, what do you think of uh, Ron DeSantis's six-week abortion ban in Florida? And Trump said, oh, it's a terrible thing. He said, it's a a terrible thing and I wouldn't have done it. And, you know, don't worry, we're going to have a solution on abortion. It's going to be a national solution. It's going to make everybody happy. And you think, you know, the only terrible thing about a six-week abortion ban is the six weeks. That's the only terrible thing is that some babies are still being killed. There's nothing bad about saving babies' lives. So again, what's going on here? This answer, I think, Look, he's clearly running in the general. He wants to make try to neutralize this political issue. On this issue, he's at least got more grounding from a political strategy perspective because since Roe v. Wade was overruled, the uh, uh, abortion in some form or other has come up on ballots about seven times and the pro-lifers have lost every one of those times. So this is not to say that life is a losing issue. I, I think in the long run, it's a winning issue, but we got to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so I can at least understand why Trump might think that that neutralizing this issue and speaking in really vague terms about it is to his benefit if he is already focused on the general election as obviously he is. He's not even showing up to debates. He's obviously focused on the general. All in all, very disappointing. If if another candidate had said those things, it would cause me to pull my hair out. I think the difference here, though, is we don't just have to go by words. We can also go by actions. And uh, my friend Ali Stuckey tweeted out, she said, given these answers, why would anyone vote for Trump over Asa Hutchinson? And the answer is because in practice, we know that Trump has been president. We've seen what he's done on these issues. And in practice, Trump has been extremely pro-life and extremely anti-trans. Both times. Uh, on pro-life, he picked the judges who overruled Roe v. Wade. And he did it fairly consciously, I think. That, that was the reason that we wanted the conservative judges. And he picked, plenty of Republicans have picked squishy, weak judges. 
You think of George H.W. Bush, pick Souter. You think of Ronald Reagan, even picks uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. You think George W. Bush tried to put Harriet Myers on the court. Trump picks strong conservative judges who dig in for the toughest political vote of their entire judicial careers and save a lot of lives. That's good stuff. Even beyond that, though, Trump is the first sitting president ever to speak for the at the March for Life. March for Life's been going on for 50 years. How come he is the first president to actually address the, the crowd? That's pretty good. To me, those actions, I don't know. Look, maybe it's Trump's second term. He'll be terrible on the issue of life. I guess that could be the case. But if I'm going to judge a guy, I'm going to, I'm going to weight actions more than words. And we know that Trump's rhetoric has always been kind of loosey-goosey and all over the place. Even in 2016, he spoke on trans issues in this way. Even on abortion, he spoke in a very untutored way. But his actions were pretty good. So th- that's the answer. That's why I'm not, I'm not saying you should give him grace on the issue. I'm not saying that his comments are totally excused or whatever. But I do think actions speak louder than words. And I also just think it's a fact. The guy is up 40 to 50 points in the primary. So unless any other campaign can show me their path to victory to reclaim, well, the polls are fake. They say, okay, they're fake by 50 points in every state. (laughs) Are you kidding me? What are you, what, what? dreamland, what fantasy land are you living in? Unless you can show me the alternative. I, I just predict this will not hurt Trump that much. And maybe other campaigns are going to be inclined to shoot the messenger. But that prediction that I have been making for over a year now has consistently proven to be true. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, and donate right now. Okay, speaking of Republicans making missteps, th- today is just deal with Republicans missteps day. Uh, there's a report, allegedly. It's a report, I don't know if it's true, it could be completely bogus, and I have no reason to believe that it's true, but anyway, it's the report, and it's a big news story. Uh, allegedly, Christy Nome, Republican governor of South Dakota, is having an extramarital affair. You see uh, plenty of sex scandals in politics. Uh, why is this story coming out now? It seems pretty clear to me the reason is that South Dakota Governor Christy Nome just endorsed Donald Trump. And five seconds later, there's a news report, almost certainly dug up by OPPO researchers that uh, she, or planted or fabricated, that uh, she's having an extramarital affair. Okay. I don't know if it's true. I, I'm not interested in this story. If they prove it without a shadow of a doubt, they got her dead to rights. Okay, that's her political career. Again, I'm not really focused on that kind of thing. 
The story is interesting to me because these things do happen. So whether or not it's true of Christy Nome, we've seen this story, what, a hundred times before, a thousand times before, some politician on top of the world, big ambitions, throws it all away for a sex scandal. You think of Mark Sanford. Remember that guy, governor of South Carolina, just ran away from the governor's mansion to have an affair with some lady in South America? You see, I mean, people do this time and time again. And my takeaway from that is it requires intense effort and discipline and prayer for God's grace not to act like a total idiot. Our inclination, our human nature is such in this fallen world that we are at every moment deeply inclined to act like complete idiots and to throw away all the good stuff we have for nothing, for momentary pleasure with degenerates. All of us, we are all inclined that way. And if you think you're not, if you're the kind of person who's, oh, no, I would, I treat my job too seriously. Oh, I would never cheat on my spouse. Oh, not me, not me. Then you're the most likely to do it. These are people, it's, Drew Clavin observes this, and there's a, a famous joke about a guy who has an orange for a head. And the punchline, I won't even tell the whole joke, but the punchline is, how did the guy, how did the guy wind up with an orange for a head? He asked for it. That's the perversity of human nature in a fallen world. Don't do it. Do not, whatever the momentary pleasure is, I pro- look, it's easier said than done, but I promise you it will not be worth the shame and the embarrassment and throwing away all the good stuff you've got. Do not do it. And the way to stop yourself from doing it is to avoid the near occasion of sin. And the way to do that is to cultivate habits of virtue and tamp down habits of vice. And most of all, to pray for grace. My favorite comment on Friday is from Cools and Hots, who says, Dove gave her, this was a fat liberation activist, Dove gave the fat liberation activist an endorsement because they figured that her followers can get more soap over much more body, thus increasing profitability. It's a brilliant theory. And that's capitalism, folks. That's how capitalism works. So, so true. Speaking of women not looking so great, now we turn our attention to the Democrats. AOC just got shouted down in New York over the issue of immigration. Close the border! Close the border! Close the border! Close the border! We're Right, I can't even hear AOC, which is fine by me. That's right. You can hear those women. Thank you, you get the point. You can hear those women chanting. Those are not right-wing Republicans shipped up from Texas, okay? They don't have a Tennessee accent. Those are New Yorkers. I'm Look, I'm a New Yorker by birth and upbringing. There are plenty of conservative, normal people in New York. We're just drowned out politically by the crazy libs. But those are normal New Yorkers who show up and they say, hey, close the border. Even Eric Adams, the liberal Democrat mayor, is saying that immigration is going to destroy New York City because the country is getting flooded because the, the southern border is open. And the, the Republican governors down south have had enough of it and they're not going to deal with it on their own. They're going to ship them up to New York and Rehoboth Beach and Martha's Vineyard. This has always been the, the trick of immigration for the Democrats. Immigration is great for the Democrats long term. But immigration is very bad short term. Long-term, it gives them more voters. And I know Ronald Reagan said that Hispanics are Republicans. They just don't know it yet. Well, he said that in, what, 1982? And we're still waiting. I'm still, it's been 
40 years, 41 years now. We still, they haven't turned Republican yet. Some Hispanic voters have shifted a little bit, depending on the election. Certain groups of Hispanics tend to be more Republican than others, like the Cubans. But broadly speaking, Democrats know that Hispanic migration across the southern border is a net boon for them. That's why they encourage it. That's the only reason that they encourage it. But short term, Democrats don't like the chaos that this causes. Because the effects of migration, despite what we've been told, are not generally positive. In fact, you hear this from Karen Bass, who's not only a liberal out in California, she's actually a communist. She worked for communist organizations. She is a radical leftist. She was a member of Congress. Now she is the mayor of Los Angeles. And here's her somewhat contradictory take on migration. What they're trying to do is destabilize cities because it's Chicago, it's Washington, D.C., it's New York. It's the narrative that these are Democratic-run cities and that we don't know how to govern and that everything is chaotic here. We live in a city that welcomes immigrants. And so I think we have been able to handle it. But I am fearful that any day planes could start coming. Why are you fearful? Why are you fearful that this wonderful thing could come to your city? Because you see, immigration is good. That's why you welcome immigrants. It's good. Diversity is our strength. We're a nation of immigrants. You're all good. Let's have more nation. Let's have more strength. Why are you fearful that all these, this good thing would happen to you? Why would it be chaotic? It's strength. Strength isn't chaotic. Strength is strong cooperative, edifying. Democrats are very worried that this could be a big election issue. That's what this is about. They, they have been surreptitiously changing the voting base of the United States for 60 years now. And it, when that immigration issue I can't call it a trickle. It was a lot more than a trickle, but it was still largely unnoticed. It was 1,000 people a day, 1,500 people a day. Certainly about when it was 500 people a day. Then it got to be 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Then then it got to be insane surges of migrants with no end in sight. And the people noticed. And people noticed, and they started to turn on it. This is the same thing with the LGBT movement when it was just, uh, you know, Greenwich Village, when it was just uh, Will and Grace on TV, when it was just uh, something that consenting adults did privately. Most people didn't care. The moment that ideology entered the classroom, especially the younger classrooms, that was the flip. That was the, the binary switch of people noticing. Speaking of global politics, before we go... We'll zoom out to the 30,000-foot view. There's a headline in Bloomberg. World disappointed by the UN now looks elsewhere for answers. A brutal grinding war in Ukraine, governments overthrown in Niger and Gabon, lingering hostility over the COVID-19 pandemic and the unequal distribution of life-saving vaccines. Yeah, uh uh-huh. With dozens of world leaders descending upon New York for the UN General Assembly's annual gathering, global problems are showing up fast and thick. 
at the world body's door with no solutions in sight. Many countries are starting to look elsewhere to do something about them. Yes, that's true. That's always got to happen. The notion of the United Nations is politically incoherent. The only thing even potentially recommending the United Nations is that it is a front group for U.S. hegemony around the world. It is, it is just a facade in front of U, the U.S. as an imperial power imposing its, its vision on the world and uh, attacking its enemies and supporting its friends. If the U.N. is not just that, if the U.N. is really supposed to be some kind of world government where we're all citizens of the world singing kumbaya holding hands, then it is completely incoherent and completely impossible because politics requires a distinction between your allies and your enemies. It, it has to, because you have to know, in as much as people disagree about anything, in as much as people have interests and desires and faculties of reason and disagree, because this is a fallen world and our faculties of reason aren't always perfect and our perception sometimes has defects, in as much as man remains the political animal, as Aristotle called us, then politics will be a team sport. We will disagree. We'll form coalitions to deal with those disagreements and figure out how to live together. And in as much as that occurs, we are not all going to be unified, all the nations of the earth. It is not possible. The libs are going to lament the decline of the UN as a, as a politics-making body for the whole world. It never really was that, and what, what the libs are really lamenting is the decline of their own power and the people of the world, in whose name the liberals supposedly govern and rule, the people saying, hey, this is not working for us anymore. So then the liberals will try to tamp that down, and they'll say, that's populism, that's nationalism, that's this-ism, that's that-ism. What does that mean? It means nations want to have their own nations. What does populism mean? It means that people want to have a say in government. These are, these are just... Terms of insult, these are just slurs hurled about by people who, who I think have been caught as emperors without clothes. The rest of the show continues now. It's Music Monday. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, Canada, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.